My next question is addressed to you, Steve. After all these years studying teams and being probably one of the top word experts on that notion of team, is there something magical about teams as opposed to any kind of other organizational form? What is it about teams? Is that a uniquely human system or are we seeing other kinds of teams in nature? Well, the way we talk about it, I think, you know, for those of us here, organizational psychologists, it sort of gets defined as uniquely human, but certainly you can see this kind of collective organization take place in uh, higher order animals. You know, animals that we think of as not having, uh, I mean, I'm not an expert, so I hope I don't offend some animal <laughs> expert out there, but you can see predators that hunt, hunt in packs. They certainly have roles, they have strategies and how they play that out. Or you can look at uh, insects. Maybe that behavior is programmed in and it's probably bigger than a team. But, you know, clearly there's a lot of collaborative, coordinated, specialized function and behavior that has to take place for those collectives to be successful. So I'm, I'm not sure that what we're seeing is uniquely human. Certainly we have the capacities to communicate and to convey other kinds of responses, you know, liking, disliking in uh, somewhat less obvious ways, perhaps. But I do think there's something where to just kind of go to your notion of magical, right? Which is not really a scientific term. And so not I speak yet, more, not yet. <laughs> more, more as a person who forms teams, you know, I have to build research teams or I'm on some team. So as a participant, a former, what have you, is that when it's all working, it feels really magical. And when it's not working, it feels not very good at all. I mean, you can tell it's very visceral. It's different. So I think about, you know, trying to understand workers and organizations. There's a lot you can learn studying individual characteristics, but people don't work in a vacuum. COVID has separated us, but I spend almost as much time on Zoom as I do trying to write or read or, or do the other things that I would do as a professor. And so there's this interactive component, this exchange component that I think is really important. And the team puts some boundary around it. So it's not just sort of free floating, but We've got a common purpose. We're trying to achieve something. Often we'll be specialized in some way. So we've got to be able to get that expertise to fit together. And when you get that to happen and you create a winning performance, if you're a sports team or you create a new innovation, if you're an entrepreneurial team or as a science team, you, you make a discovery, you made it through a bunch of challenges and you find something unique. It feels really cool. And it's something that's a shared experience. I think that's harder to feel in that visceral, palpable way when you talk about the success of the organization. And you would know that. And it's a lot easier to feel and to share when it's five to 10 people. We've seen that in some of the army work that we've done. We've been talking about climates within teams and what the right level is to really have somebody talk about the climate that they're in. So right. climate of inclusion is one of the focal areas. It's really interesting to think about what really constitutes the team because within the army, there's a hierarchical nested organization of teams. Oh yeah. It's, it's classic. Yes. So what's the right level of team to talk about. And so we've had a lot of discussions around with army leaders and with soldiers at various levels within the organization about who they kind of identify as their team. And I think it comes down to what Steve just said, where we typically end up around the squad size element, which is that kind of small enough to feel like you get enough interaction with everybody to 
be able to really know them and know their role and know their personality and develop some cohesion with them, but big enough that it's a meaningful team that has a goal that they're working toward. And so it's really fascinating to think about that nested piece of teams as well. And I think the magical part and why teams are the unit that we have been focused on is exactly what Steve said. We have to identify the level at which people are doing most of their day-to-day interactions with, the group with which they identify or some of their identity is associated with, and who they have some shared common goals with. And I think you can have an organizational identity, and there's obviously organizational level practices and systems in place. But I don't think people typically identify as strongly with their organization on a day-to-day basis as they do their smaller team unit, who they really had a chance to develop some of these critical states with trust and cohesion and all of those things. So I think that there's a sweet spot there at the team level, which is why it's, I think, the focus of our study. I also think there's a good example within just any organization of this, quote, magical phenomenon of teams which is for me in brainstorming. So when we're kicking off a project or when we're developing a proposal, getting a few people around a whiteboard and seeing the ideas bounce around in conversation and seeing how they flourish and grow from one person's initial concept to what comes out of that conversation, even if it is just a few hours, is really something unique because it's not something that would happen asynchronously in the same way. I could send Tara an idea and then Tara can send both of our aggregated ideas to Steve and then we can workshop it individually. And it wouldn't be the same as if the three of us came together and bounced ideas off the whiteboard in real time. There's something unique about that phenomenon, even applied to just a normal organization. And I think that's a really critical aspect of teams breaking that down. And why does that happen? Yes. I would like eventually to explore that as we move to a different paradigm of collocation. I know that the reason we say magic is because maybe we are genetically primed to interact only with a couple of handful of individuals and feel as part of a living organism in a sense. But maybe the next generation, my kids who are teenagers, are very comfortable having dozens and dozens of people in their immediate circle. Many of them they've never met. And that comfort with connectivity is really something that is generational. I think we are observing a change in that. But let's uh, leave that as we speculate about the future a little later in our discussion. 